0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, joined by my producer Michael Bronner on this hump day and want to thank everyone for having us tuned in. Of course, you can download the Sound of Mobile app, and that will take you to four choices that are available here at the radio station. Of course, you want to click on that WNSP app, but make sure you download the Sound of Mobile app so you can have an opportunity to be interactive with us in our WNSP app, as well as give us a call, 251 1055 is how you can get in touch with us and today it's going to be one of those days to where you have major league baseball that's taking a rest after the home run derby and of course the major league all-star game last night we'll we'll dig into that a little bit we'll talk a little bit of Saquon Barkley and the Giants still feuding tick-tock clock for the Giants and Saquon Barkley We'll talk about the New York Jets, the hard knocks life of the New York Jets. The NBA has some new rules. And, of course, the ESPN ESPYs are tonight. We'll cover all those subjects along with Mobile's Finest. We'll have two Saraland Land goats in the building today. We'll have state champion Morgan Davis, 13 state championships this young lady won at Saraland High School along with Ryan Hollywood Williams, Mr. Football in the state of Alabama and a state champion with the Saraland Spartans a year ago. Both of them scheduled to join us in studio. Michael Bronner, it's going to be a great hump day.
2: Oh yeah, really excited about this one today.
1: Well, you know, we'll we'll start off with what a lot of people were watching last night as far as Major League Baseball. Of course, the All-Star Game, don't really know what your thoughts are about Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. I know a lot of people really, with you have 162 games, unless you follow the Braves or the Cubs or a particular team, whether it be the Astros, you, you follow that team, but you don't really watch a lot of the games. And last night, one of the things that really sticks right out at you are those Major League Baseball games uniforms Mm. now of course the national league anytime you've lost nine games in a row to the american league it's always great to win and that's exactly what the national league was able to do as mr diaz elias diaz from the colorado rockies hit the go-ahead two-run homer in the eighth inning and that was exciting in and of itself but as far as the uniforms are concerned I love any all-star game to where I understand you want to push a product, you want to sell some extra jerseys. And the game ended in 3-2 to fashion. But can we not get the uniforms from the teams that are participating? So if you play for the Braves, I know you play for the Braves. You play for the Angels instead of a little patch on the arm. I'm not a big fan of just having the team's patch on the arm because it's it's not only hard to tell, but to me it takes away from the tradition of Major League Baseball.
2: Yeah, they used to do that for the longest time. I, I can't remember how long how long ago they went to uh, you know a defined American League uniform and National League uniforms. Boy, oh boy! Last nights were uh, were pretty ugly too. I uh, I didn't really care for the color schemes on either of them. The all blue for the National League, the green looking, and I I know they do kind of the city's theme, so they were kind of Seattle Mariners colors. But ugh, I I I did not care for them. I th- I think the coolest part about the MLB All Star Game was that you know you wear your team's uniform, and you are representing your team, and you know, with All Star Game in general. I think it kind of uh, blows every other league all-star game out of the water, just because it's the only one, you know, I guess people watch the Pro Bowl, not even really, but uh, you know, now it's flag football. I was going to say, what? Well, the Pro Bowl Bowl is in NFL, but uh, now it's flag football, which honestly is more entertaining than it was, (laughs) uh, because it it got so awful. Uh, It's probably good they changed it to flag football, but that all being said, yeah, I mean, the NBA All-Star game is unwatchable. NHL All-Star game, they changed that to like a three-on-three format, which is which is more entertaining than, uh, than it had been as well. But the MLB All-Star game is the only one where it's like an actual game of baseball. And uh, it was an exciting one last night, too. You said Diaz hit the go-ahead home run late in the eighth inning. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's the only All-Star game where you actually get a Real physical live game, and you know you know players are going to be trying. You got guys still throwing a hundred. They're not taking they're not taking speed off their pitches. Just go. Oh. Well, they're all they're also only pitching like one inning at a time. So it's not like you have a starter going six innings and getting tired. You know these guys are representing their teams in the all-star game they're going to go out and uh and give it their all for the inning or you know a lot of them are only getting one maybe two at bats as well so uh i I think it's really cool the mlb all-star game is by far the best and uh yeah it was a good one last night
1: well what you what you want to see is is the big the big dogs play and i know ellie de la cruz when, when you look at what he's been able to bring in the excitement for baseball i know that he came up late and got the call and only played maybe less than 30 games for the Reds but when you have players like that and Otani it was great to see him have an opportunity to participate in the game but I just I'm a traditionalist when it comes down to from a baseball purist standpoint the uniforms definitely are, are something that I wish they would go back to and I think that it has a lot to do this game has lost a lot of its luster Mike because you used to not have American League versus National League until the All-Star game. That's the only time you used to see it. You you and, and the World Series. You talking about like interleague play? Interleague play to me has absolutely changed the way people view the All-Star game in Major League Baseball because if I know it's just going to be the World Series and I know it's just going to be in the all-star game to where I'm going to have these two teams playing one another. It means more. You don't want to sit there and have to sit and wait a whole other year to say that the National League is more dominant than the Ameri- American League or vice versa.
2: Well, I got to tell you, you know, interleague play started in 1997. I've just looked, so I can't tell you what uh, what it was like before uh interleague play start i think it has become more commonplace i don't know what the schedule breakdown looks like you know now versus 10 years ago you know i i do like the aspect that every team plays everybody but it is to your point it is kind of cool that you know before that's the only chance you had before the world series to see al versus nl
1: And, and when you look at just twice a year having an opportunity to play one another and the robberies just mean more i know you take it personal you, you know you don't want your league to lose the game. And I'm not going to say that they weren't playing to win last night because, I mean, Diaz crushed a two-run homer when it looked like the National League was going to lose 10 consecutive games Yeah, the
2: American had a had American a stronghold on on the All-Star game it for a long a, time. They had an
1: absolute chokehold on it. And, and it's hard for me to sit and think that you've lost that many consecutive All-Star games in a row when you look at all – of the superstars that have been there. And I just, I know that it means more. And for the baseball tradi- traditionalists out there, did you like the new uniforms? Do you like the old school uniforms? Hit us up in the app. I, I Again, Bronner said that, all right, you're trying to pay homage to Emerald City in Seattle. Sure. Well, okay, those colors, that's your color scheme. Do that in the Home Run Derby. It, 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 they used I, to do that also. I, I have no problem with you going to uh, a special home run derby. Because yeah. you only have eight participants, right?
2: Yeah, so it used to be that way. They used to have specific home run derby jerseys and uh and then they would wear their regular jerseys for the All Star game. That's how it should be. I don't know why they swapped the two. But uh you, you any guess as to what the the all time uh series record it, it's closer than you would think even I, after I think, nine in a row. And if,
1: if if memory serves me correctly, there's less than a, a, a four or five game difference between the two leagues.
2: You're correct. It's 47 44 and two. With the AL leads the NL all time. I, what, what were those two ties? One game went to 15
1: innings yeah, in 2008. It, when did they tie? But, but that's, you're talking about the lifelong game of baseball because that's America's pastime. And I, I, I want to know this too. When you look at the first half of this Major League Baseball National season. was
2: on a big run in like the 60s and 70s, it looks like.
1: That's what you have to have. But the, the pitch clock, there was so much made about the pitch clock coming into this season, how it was going to change baseball. I like the fact that there's a pitch clock. Now, I know that the union wants to say, look, in postseason play, we don't want a pitch clock. But... Having a pitch clock in Major League Baseball, to me, has definitely sped up the game, which it was intended to do. And when you look at the rules of, of baseball, wanting to be a little bit faster, a faster game, that's what you've received. And the home run ball, look, we're on, again, a, a record pace to to go ahead. When you look at all the home runs that are being hit in the Major Leagues, that people come to see the long ball, Right you you definitely want to see that but as far as changing the format of the game you said 97 is the first year that they went back yes, to, inter- to
2: interleague play
1: interleague play so i know i do remember when they went to interleague play and there was a a bromance with it everybody loved it but i think that you can you can learn to cycle out of it and say look we we want to bring a little bit nostalgia back And bring it back to where you look at what do you think the average age of a baseball fan is? If you had if you had to guess what the average age of a baseball fan would be like forty five. Yeah. So I I would agree anywhere from from thirty seven to forty five in that range as well to where you've seen the changes in baseball. You're a baseball purist. You're a traditionalist. And the things, the way they were, now I don't think anybody loves going to a four or four and a half hour baseball game. But the speed of football when there's a three hour and 30 minute football game, including overtimes, you still see it become much faster. And the pitch clock was supposed to help with that. The all star game to me doesn't mean what it once was. But when you do see all those former greats at a game, that's that's the thing about all-star games. It brings some of the heavy hitters out. So th- and that's what I love.
2: The two ties were in 2002 in 19- and 1961. Any guess when the first all-star game was played? You got a year guess for me?
1: You're looking at probably early 1900s.
2: 1933. Some of these names. I mean, I'm just looking at the uh a list of the winning and losing pitchers from the All-Star games in the 30s. Some of these names, man. Lefty Gomez, Dizzy Dean, Spud Chandler, <laughs> Ken Raffensberger. Man,
1: iconic Le- legends. Iconic <laughs> games. But <laughs> I I think that even still, Red Ruffing. I think that baseball. Football, to me, the Pro Bowl, no, nah, it hasn't been around as long as Major League Baseball. So I think that that's where the, the the Major League All-Star game in baseball is supposed to mean a whole lot more than what the NBA means or what the NHL means or what the Pro Bowl means. But as a whole, to watch it, either you, you really turn the channel last night after you saw who sang the national anthem to see both teams, to see who was actually going to play and take swings at the plate. I don't know, Bronner, I don't know if Major League Baseball will ever make that change and take interleague play away. No, I don't think so. But I I know that even trying to do it every other year on the calendar, I don't know what the answer to that would be. But the All-Star Games, baseball is the only All-Star Game to where you can truly, you still have to to play your best. And I guarantee when you're throwing 102-mile-an-hour fireballs, over across the plate, swing and miss at one, or or get struck out, and you'll see that if I'm throwing at you at 100 miles an hour, you know it's the real deal. You know there's nothing that I'm taking it lightly on. I'm not taking it lightly on you. I'm I'm putting the pedal to the metal. But three to two was that final score, and again, a nine-game <laughs> losing streak is ended, and we're at the halfway point of baseball. Still plenty of baseball. To be played, will the Braves hold on in the second half? Will they collapse? I think they're only going to get stronger. But look forward to seeing the second half of that season and what goes on in October. And bring back the original team uniforms for the All Star game, even for in the NBA as well. I like it when your city and your jersey is represented either you wear the light jersey yeah. or you wear the dark jersey. Yeah. But wearing for the team that you play for and take the dollar signs out of well, it. Well, you know that will never happen. It, it's not going. Once they went with it, and the NBA did tinker with it a little bit. They went back to the original uniforms and they are like, look, this is a, a licensing and apparel money grab, so we want you to pay extra for those all-star jerseys. And that, that's exactly what it is. The final drive here getting started on this hump day. Again, make sure you download the Sound of Mobile app. If you have not done so, go ahead and download that. It'll give you four channels to choose from. Of course, we want you to click on WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 so you can interact with us in the app. Sound of Mobile app. It's an easy, free download for you on all your devices, no matter the type of device that you have. The final drive will be right back on the other side of this break.
3: Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney. You're listening to WNSP 105.5.
1: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And again, a great show scheduled for you today. Coming up after our next break, Brooks Austin talking a little bit about the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart going for the three-peat as we approach SEC Media Days next week in Nashville. And, of course, Mobile's finest at 4 o'clock. We will have Morgan Davis, 13-time state champion, along with Ryan Hollywood-Williams, the reigning Mr. Football in the state of Alabama, scheduled to join us at 4 o'clock. As well, and you know, while we're talking about football and, and Ryan Hollywood Williams, there'll be a little Hollywood coming to New York, New York, and the bright lights coming to the New York Jets. Of course, that being hard knocks, and we talked a little bit about what team should have been selected for hard knocks about a month ago. It was going to be either the Bears, the Jets, the Saints, or the Commanders. And the qualifications were (laughs) to get on the show. If you had a first-year head coach, well, you didn't have to worry about being on the show. If you qualified for the playoffs the last two years, you were good to go and not have to worry about it as well. And if you've been on the show within the last ten seasons, that's one of the prerequisites that was being selected for hard knocks as well. But Aaron Rodgers, of course, as he makes his debut with the Jets, and C.J. Mosley, we talked to him a little bit about it about a month and a half ago at the OTAs. Now, you're going to have film sessions anyway, but the distractions of the Jets trying to make it to the playoffs and having inside access every single week – I don't think that's something Coach Sala had really planned on, and he mentioned it out loud. He did not want any part of HBO Hard Knocks.
2: Well, maybe you should have made the playoffs last year. Then, I mean, of the four teams you just named, there were three big yawns, and then the Jets. I mean, it was really the only, the only obvious choice uh, in terms of who, who a team that people are going to want to watch on this show that has really lost a lot of its luster over the last five years or so. You know, I used to be a, a pretty big fan of it and watch it pretty religiously every year. And, you know, you sit down every week and it's kind of like a little appetizer to the NFL season. You get all excited for, you know, and then preseason comes around and you know, it starts falling off by the wayside. But it's really the first, you know, big big, uh, big piece of food right before the NFL meal and uh you know it just hasn't hasn't hit the same last last few years or so and I think uh the only way to bring it back was throwing Aaron Rodgers and the Jets on it so you know what if you don't like it Jets get over it well the
1: Jets are going to be on there and the fact that if there are storylines that you think the cameras are going to cover of course you know Aaron Rodgers being one of them but Quentin Williams I think is going to make for a pretty good follow, yeah, he's hard knocks gold. Also, you know, you have, of course, C.J. Mosley and C.J. Uzama from Auburn, uh, that 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 is there. I, but I I don't know if Carl Lawson is another Auburn Tiger that is a familiar face for the Jets. But but if you take the Jets off of hard knocks and the distractions that can be, to me. Aaron Rodgers, this is what he was going to get in Green Bay had he stayed. He was going to have cameras in his face every single day. Wanting to know, you know, what is he going to retire? Does he want to leave the Packers? But now he he has a fresh start. And New York, you're not going to be able to hide from the media. You're not going to be able to hide from the scrutiny. So on hard knocks, the Jets being on there, this to me in the division that is really up for grabs. Is it going to be the Bills? Is it going to be the Dolphins? Are your Patriots going to be able to turn the corner and, and, and get into the playoffs? The Jets are trying to get into the playoffs for the first time in over a decade. Yeah, and, and Rodgers is, is considered the savior of New York.
2: Ironically, you know, for a team who hasn't made the playoffs in like 13 years or whatever the number is. You know they might have the highest expectations of any of the four teams in the divisions, at least from an improvement standpoint. I mean, you know Buffalo is going to be good. You know Miami should be good. Patriots are a bigger question mark than the other two, but the Jets are a team that you know has the roster to compete and just hasn't had the quarterback play. And obviously now you have the quarterback. So if you flop this year, well there are going to be big questions thrown around, and you know there's a lot of pressure on Robert Sala to uh, you know get get the ship right. And if he doesn't he's probably going to be gone so you know there's there's pressure from all sides with that team this year and i understand the the scrutiny of hard knocks there i understand why you wouldn't want to be on it no i don't think any team ever wants to be on it but it is what it is uh and you know they're just going to have to live with it
1: but it, it is a great way to bring life to certain characters and to certain players and to kind of peel the curtain back and give you that inside look on what it's like to be actually cut to get called into the GM's office and with the coach NFL, wants to see
2: you bring your playbook.
1: There you go. When you when you know they call and ask for your playbook, you you know what the story is going to be there for certain. Now, as far as will the Jets make the playoffs? Well, you know we'll, we'll make that prediction for sure coming up because I know if the Jets make the playoff, that means the Dolphins or the Patriots or somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do too there's
2: three wild card teams who
1: knows you could get four teams in there from the same division i it'll be interesting to see but aaron Rodgers on hard knocks i'm all for it i'm glad it's happening for the jets even though their organization is not coming up next we'll talk can georgia three pete what it's going to take brooks austin Gives us that Georgia insider information as we prepare for SEC media days. Coming up next here on the final drive.
3: This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNFC 105.5.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner joining you on this hump day Wednesday. And, of course, I hope you guys have your umbrellas out because it's definitely been one of those rinse, wash, and repeat forecasts where it's hot, then it turns to rain, and then it dries up and gets a little muggy. But I tell you what, no matter how muggy or hot it gets, nothing's hotter than the last back-to-back national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. And we bring in the ace to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, Brooks Austin. Of course, he's the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation and lead editor for Dogs Daily. Brooks, thanks for joining us this afternoon here on the Final Drive.
3: Yeah, boys, how we doing tonight?
1: Man, absolutely too blessed to be stressed. And Kirby Smart... SEC Media Days coming up next week for Georgia and the players that Kirby will be bringing to the podium in Nashville. Any surprises, really, of the players that were selected to be representing Georgia's
3: 2023 football team? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Availabilities last year at the University of Georgia, um, something along that lines when you, when you take taking all the preseason and all the games available, I think Cedric Van Pran spoke at all 17. Um, Brock Bowers is the best tight end in all of college football. Maybe the best position player in college football, I think you can argue. Um, so that was an obvious decision. And then you got to take somebody from the defense. You don't want to pick either, either one of your linebackers because they got two preseason All-American caliber linebackers in J.D.J. and Small So he just said, hey, let me just take my best corner and took Kamari Laster with him. I think the big surprise is no quarterback, but – That's not a surprise if you know Kirby Smart. He refuses to make any type of statement if he doesn't have to. And taking Carson Beck, who we all assume is going to be his starting quarterback, to him with Nashville or to Nashville with him um, would automatically, you know, tell the world that that's his starting quarterback this year. And he's not ready to do that because he won't do that until the first snap of the first game.
1: Well, what's always interesting when you look at Georgia being back-to-back national champions and Kirby being the king of college football right now is recruiting and recruiting's always a hotbed for Alabama as they pick up three commitments this weekend Auburn grabs one you have recruits that Auburn thinks they're going to get and then they flip to Texas A&M you have Georgia recruits going to Alabama Alabama recruits going to Georgia plenty to go around with four and five star talent but some of the freshmen to keep eyes on for this very talented Georgia Bulldogs team this year
3: I think when you look at defensively, uh, I look at a guy like Jonel Aguero, uh, borderline. I think four, like the highest of four stars, maybe five star. Uh, anyway, just the physical tangibles alone let me know he's ready to play SEC football. He's about six one, been lasered anywhere from four three five to four three eight. In the forty, he's as physically gifted as they come at the defensive back position, and I think you see Georgia with them having moved Javon Ballard back to safety, or Javon Bullard excuse me, back to safety, um, and, and opening up that that star position for guys like Tyke Smith, the former All-American from West Virginia. I think t- people tend to forget about him because he's been hurt the last couple of years, but he will be available and probably starting at that star position with a guy like John El Aguero providing a completely different skill set physically um and and physical tangibility. So I would look at it. We're
1: we're losing you a little bit, Brooks. We'll 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 call you right back and see if we can get a, a better connection there with Brooks Austin, and again, Brooks talking about all of the talent that is being downloaded and surplused in Georgia. We know what Alabama's been able to do with their four and five-star athletes, and as we get ready to to get Brooks back on, he was talking about the freshmen that are going to be playing a vital role in Georgia's roster this year, and, and, and when you don't know who is going to be the quarterback. Sometimes the coaches like who like you thinking that. And I know Brooks, you were talking about the incoming freshmen that are going to make a difference for the Georgia Bulldogs this year.
3: Yeah, I, I was mentioning Jonel Aguero defensively. As a he's a defensive back who's going to play star the star position, kind of nickel deep defensive back for them. Um, he's an extremely uh, physically gifted football player. He's about six one two zero five. He's, he's sub four, four verified in the, in the 40 already as a true freshman. Um, and then offensively, I, I would think he's probably not going to get a ton of playing time. I don't think any of the true freshmen this year will be, um, but Lawson lucky is a tight end that has, has already gotten a lot of uh, kind of publicity this spring and this off season as just a guy who's, who's ready to play college football. And with their propensity to play a number of tight ends, um, there's probably some playing time available. For him this year.
2: Lawson Lucky. That's going to be one of the best names in college football and another alliteration with Brock Bowers. <laughs> Talking to Brooks yeah, man, Austin. He's, oh, he's, an
3: interesting, he's an interesting football player.
2: We'll keep an eye on Lawson Lucky for sure. Talking to Brooks Austin, director of recruiting for SI's Fan Nation Dogs Daily. Brooks uh, some of that happened this week kind of in the news. I mean, Julian Say passed Dylan Rayola. I believe it was on three uh, in terms of you know top quarterback in the country earn the fifth star. I, mean, I I don't take a whole lot of stock into these things. I'm, I'm sure you don't either. What goes into something like that when when uh, you know Sayin passes Rayola? like and do you think something like that matters? like wh- what is the reasoning when something like that happens?
3: All right, so I, I do value off-season evaluations. Like I, I got to see Riola and San up close and personal. Like the rest of the the national reporting uh, media was available, or you know, at the Elite 11. So we all got to see them. I think that's part of the reason why they're getting re-ranked. San obviously won the Elite 11 out there. Um, in L.A. and and over Raiola. Raiola didn't technically finish second, but that was the only other option for the Elite 11 finalists um, in in my professional opinion. Um, But outside of that, man, you know why people are re-ranking folks right now? 'Cause folks like y'all and folks like me, we got stuff to talk about, baby. And uh yeah, that that's about it. That's what rankings were invented for. Rankings were invented for people to talk about them. And uh the best way to get people to talk about them some more is to re rank them suckers. So that's exactly what they did
2: this week, man. Well look at that, Brooks. We just got a full two minutes out of uh out of re rank out of re ranking.
1: <laughs> well, I will say this too, Brooks, as far as what you have Coming back from a coordinator standpoint. Of course, Alabama loses two coordinators, offensive and defensive. Mike Bobo steps into the pitcher for Coach Munkin. The excitement that has been generated with the return of Mike Bobo.
3: You know, I don't, I don't know if Mike Bobo's like, I don't know if he's, there's <laughs> that, what's that Batman quote, the hero that they don't deserve or the hero they need right now or whatever. I don't think Bobo got got a very good rap from Georgia fans the first time around. I don't know why. I mean, all he ever did was put up 40 points a game. The only offensive coordinator to do so in the last 20 years at the University of Georgia. I mean, the only one not named Todd Munkin to put up more than 41 points per game was Mike Bobo. But he leaves, and and, uh, for some reason, Georgia fans remember his time here differently they don't remember him as this this guy that led the nation error, led the sec in explosive plays per you know per game or the guy that led the, the sec in in 40 per yard pass plays or the guy that went out to colorado state in four straight years produced a thousand yard receiver at colorado state that joker produced three nfl wide receivers That's what he did. And then he comes to Auburn, right, or then goes to South Carolina and and does what he does for Muschamp. Muschamp ends up getting tossed. He ends up at Auburn and helping, you know, the the, the Tigers down there. And and all he did down there at Auburn with a pretty porous offensive line was lead Tank Bigsby to a career year. So I think he's a pretty daggum good coordinator. When I study him, he's pretty daggum good. But the Georgia fan base – Doesn't seem to remember him that way. They kind of remember him as this guy that just likes to run draw on third and long a lot. That's that's all they ever talk about. Oh, Bobo's back. Here comes the halfback draw. (laughs) It's so crazy. It's just one of them things, man. I don't know how it is with other fan bases. I don't know who the rat is. But in this market, for some reason, Bobo's got a stain despite never having earned it. All he's ever done is produce great offense. That's it.
2: Obviously, Carson Beck going to be stepping in, but I want to ask you about Stetson Bennett. I think there was this kind of arc this year where no one really fathomed before the season him being an NFL quarterback, and then there were a lot of games he really looked like a heck of a lot like an NFL quarterback, and he ends up rising all the way to a fourth round pick. And you know, there are long term questions about Matthew Stafford and his elbow. Like, are we going to see Stetson Bennett as the starting quarterback of the Rams?
3: Dude, did y'all hear the way Les Miles talked about him or Les Snead, the the uh, GM? He's raving for, for the Rams. Dude, he was like, I don't know, I don't know what everybody else saw. We love this guy, <laughs> and you know what it is about Stetson. I spent an hour and thirty minutes, like over Zoom, with Stetson Bennett. After 90 minutes, I spent 90 minutes with that human being. Afterwards, didn't know him the rather. Didn't know him better than I did the moment I sat down with him. He's just the definition of aloof. He's the definition of eclectic. He's the definition of unpredictable. And that right there, that bio I just read to you, probably scares the living hell out of any decision maker, like a general manager for NFL teams. Unless you recognize, like, the uniqueness of the individual. And that's how I always took Stetson. I always took Stetson as this very unique, almost like brilliant's not the right word because he's not like some world changer, but he is very uniquely brilliant uh, when it comes to football and how he plays the quarterback position. So I always got it. It always clicked with me. It's just very, very – I understand why it does it with most because most people probably look at him like, oh, he's this 5'11", standoffish like, the word prick could probably get used every once in a while with <laughs> regards to stets. So, very, very hard to read, but once you get a read on them, you probably got a feel for them.
1: Well, i tell you what a lot of fans across the country want to try to get a feel for with the Georgia Bulldogs is, is the wide receiver room as deep as everyone's been talking about? Because we know that three yards in a cloud of dust can can be had by the Georgia running offense, but the wide receiver room and who Carson will be throwing to. I think that this, this particular unit and core w- w- is undervalued.
3: Yeah. nah. I, mean, they just added two SEC caliber starters. I mean, I think Dominic Lovett is probably one of the top three, if not top five uh, or top five, if not top three receivers in the SEC. I think he's going to play on Sundays. I think he's an NFL get open guy. Like he's going to get open on Sundays and play for a while. Um, and then they brought in Robert Thomas as well. who you didn't see a lot of this spring They kind of kept him under wraps because there was some off the field stuff going on um, that ultimately got solved and put away and there was no issue with it. But it was just, hey, you're not going to play in the spring. And, and that's that. Um, so you didn't get to see a lot of him. And I don't think the national media is necessarily talking about him. But the first time he has a hundred yard game, everybody's going to be like, oh, damn, Georgia got him too. Because um, they do. And it's going to be really, really hard with the combination of of Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, Ladd McConkie, guys like Arian Smith, if he's healthy, it's going to be hard to double-team Brock Bowers and give him the attention required to keep him from beating you uh, when they have other weapons like they do this year.
1: When you look at wrapping up Georgia in a nutshell, again, Georgia doesn't control the schedule. They play what's in front of them, and I don't care how much the media is going to Talk about their schedule being soft, a cream puff. That, that, to me, that's irrelevant because you have to go out and play every single week and beat every single opponent that's in front of you. But with Georgia being the back-to-back national champions, I mentioned the recruits and the freshmen that they already have on campus. But I tell you what, you have to be able to protect whatever quarterback you have coming in. And the Georgia Bulldogs coaching staff, from an offensive line standpoint – we will probably have in the next two or three years the entire starting offensive line will be in the league
3: yeah they're starting five right now i mean they returned four of five from a year ago i think all four of those guys are nfl football players the 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 question is going to be who starts at the other tackle spot and it's going to be ernest green most likely um the kid out of uh uh, Del, Del Bosco out there in uh, California. He's going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, they think he's an NFL football player, too. So the, the starting five being Ernest Green, Xavier Trust, Cedric Van Praag, Granger, Tate Ratledge, and Amarius Mims. They think all those guys are going to play on Sundays. They got two guards right now on the roster in Dylan Fairchild and Micah Morris, who have never as much as really sniffed the football field. They, they think are Sunday football players. So, yeah, they, they run about eight deep. Austin Blasky's a kid that could probably start at, I would say, 90% of Power 5 football programs in this country right now today. Um, and that's not even talking about their five-star in Monroe Freeling that they started in the last class, too. So, yeah, Stacey Charles has done a tremendous job of not only developing that room, uh, but adding to it with some, some high-quality football players as well. Yeah, Daniel Calhoun
1: being the real deal as far as mm-hmm. coming in and probably being able to help them immediately it's not that 20
3: awkward. that 2024 class is bonkers they they have six commits right now that average six foot seven three hundred and forty five pounds those are high school football players by the way
1: yeah they're, they're gearing up for another opportunity to if they do three peat this year to go ahead and say look with the new sec divisionless sec we're still at the top of our game and that's just what kirby smart continues to bring and again him being the new king of of college football it's just a matter of the georgia bulldogs fans i think they really do appreciate everything that he's been able to bring because they waited so long to win that first national championship but excited to hear what kirby smart and the players are going to be talking about next week at sec media days in nashville brooks and thank you so much for always dropping your four one one from a bulldog nation standpoint and Look forward to continuing to talk with you and to see throughout the season, will the Bulldogs stay on track to 3 P. We'll see you,
3: boys. Y'all be good.
1: Brooks Austin joining us this afternoon and, of course, all of his continuous great coverage of everything Georgia. He's the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, lead editor for Dogs Daily FM. You can look him up on Twitter. Brooks Austin B A, is how you can reach out to him. The Final Drive will be right back.
3: Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with my producer Michael Bronner, joining you this hump day Wednesday afternoon. And, of course, you look at the ESPYs being held tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. on, of course, ESPN and ABC. And you look at Dick Vitale. And what Jimmy B, the, the speech that he made at the ESPYs, and especially everything that Dick Vitale is going through with his vocal cords and praying for him, hoping that the cancer has not returned. The SPs just used to be the show of shows, the star of stars, coming out to Hollywood on the red carpet and, and winning that award. But. To me, it's 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 another one of those all star showcases that has kind of lost its luster too, Bronner.
2: Yeah, I, I, I hate the S.P. So I'll, ju- I'll just be honest with you. I, I do not care for it. Uh, Yeah. Lost its luster is a good word for it. I don't even think they have a host this year. No, no I, host. Would, I don't. I don't. I mean, the whole thing is is pretty pointless. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I might watch, I guess, because there's not really anything else on, but I'm going to try to find something else to watch. But, yeah, I I, uh, I do not care for the ESPYs.
1: Yeah, you, you've seen some of the so – I, I, now, I will say this. Some of the hosts that they've had, Kevin Hart, The Rock, Eli, and Peyton, it's just like their Saturday Night Live stand-ups. I mean they go all in especially Peyton and Eli. They let those one liners and they they don't they don't shy away from anybody. And and when you don't have a host, to me it kind of kind of takes away from everything that that is given in the show. But Dick Vitale and and, and Jimmy Valvano giving given that speech and being helped on to stage and saying, look, I wish a, a blinking light would stop me or cut me off from my speech. that That's something, and the moments and the passion that he spoke with will always be there. And, and you look at all the, whether it's Stuart Scott or whether it's Dick Vitale, so many people have been affected by cancer. And Jimmy B's organization Raised millions of dollars to try to find that cure, and it's so important to to continue to to support not only now Dick Vitale's cause that is nearer and dearer that has happened to him personally, but Jimmy B's speech to me was one of the most passionate speeches of all time given, and he was a fiery coach himself.
2: Yeah, that's certainly one of the more iconic moments in sports. as you brought up Stuart Scott as well, uh, you know that those were uh, you know all-time moments for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and and tonight, seven o'clock, the SB Awards will be given out, and you, you've seen a lot of copycat shows off of that, but you know an SB Award, male, female athlete, you'll see, and again, to honor jimmy v that's what it's all about as far as his award is concerned
2: maybe i'll uh honor dick vital later in the show with my dick vital impression i, I do hey, look, i do a pretty good one
1: I I, I I We'll look forward to hearing that for sure our number two of the final drive coming up next here on wnsp 105.5
0: From local rising stars to Hall of Famers, Mobile and Baldwin County have been the starting point for some of the most successful sports figures in history. And now, exclusively on WNSP, we present the ultimate insider experience. Welcome to Mobile's Finest, where we bring you unfiltered and in-depth conversations with the extraordinary athletes and coaches who call the Gulf Coast home and how they became Mobile's Finest.
1: Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this hump day, Wednesday afternoon. And of course, you have to bring the umbrellas out, and you don't know whether... It's going to be raining or not at any point in time, so you always have to become ready. And who's always ready is our next two guests as Ryan Hollywood Williams is getting ready to make his entrance into the building. We already have one of Sarah Land's greatest of all time. We call it the greatest on the track for certain because 13 state championships is exactly what has been won. By Morgan Davis and you look at this young lady who has committed to Kentucky. She's already had an opportunity to go out and compete in Oregon against some of the nation's elite track and field athletes. And you just have to love the fact that Morgan does so with a smile on her face. She's Sarah Lynn's first ever state champion in any sport. Morgan, thanks for joining us here on Mobile's Finest. How's it going?
4: Um, it's, sorry. It's going pretty good. I'm happy to be here.
1: Well, we're well, always great to have you. And of course, Hollywood is in the building. Ryan Williams joins us as well. And when you have two Sarah land Spartans in the building, it's not too often that you can say, look, Do you want the red Gatorade? Do you want the orange Gatorade? Do you want the green Gatorade? It doesn't matter because we have two Gatorade Players of the Year in the building right now. Something that just doesn't happen that often in the state of Alabama, especially two athletes from two different sports from the same school Representing Sarah Land High School to the fullest. One is a recent graduate going on to Kentucky to run track. And, of course, Ryan Hollywood Williams is verbally committed to the University of Alabama. And he joins us, the reigning Mr. Football in the state of Alabama. Hollywood, how's it going, my brother?
5: Uh, It's going well, you know, just trying to get better.
1: Absolutely. Getting better is never a problem in regards to trying to win a state championship again. And you know what it meant to 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 be a state champion. But th- did you ever take notes from one Morgan Davis on what she did to win her first ever state championship? Because I know not only are you very electric and dynamic wide receiver. You also run a little bit of track and field, too.
5: Uh, of course. You know, she's going a lot more than me, so I got some catching up to do. So I, I, I definitely try to take notes, you know, just to prepare how she prepares. So
1: I, I love the fact that when you say, you know, you prepare how she prepares and taking notes, it, it, it's been one of those situations to where you can be two of each other's biggest cheerleaders because – you do have the commonality of having that blaze and speed, having that great leaping ability. And, Morgan, when, when you look at Ryan, what, when you watch the routes or, or when he's playing, what is it about Ryan Williams that, that just makes him not only Mr. Football and the Gatorade Player of the Year, but it's so fun to watch him participate, whether it's in football or track and field.
4: Yeah, he's definitely one of a kind. I've never seen any kind of athlete like him. So, And anything he does, it's a joy to watch. Well, well, not
1: only that, just the fact that he, you know, I have people that I grew up watching, but knowing that you're at the same school with him, that you can see how he prepares mentally and physically and the work that he's put in. And I know, Sarah Land, you saw your school become a state champion in football for the first time ever. You as a football fan, how did that make you feel seeing your school win the first ever state championship?
4: Um, It was really good. I loved seeing all of them come out there. And I knew that if they were going to win it, this was the year to do it.
1: Now, Hollywood, you know, being a sophomore and seeing the growth of your football team, how much fun is it to see your team get better? You, you take the loss to Theodore. I know that that game was probably one of the most electric atmospheres you've been a part of. But you learn from that, and then you get that rematch with them. And to ultimately say, look, we beat Theodore, we turn around, we play Mountain Brook, and then to have the performance that you had in the state championship game. How much fun was that? And and was it the type of feeling that you thought it was going to be to be a state champion?
5: It was definitely – it was probably more surreal than I would think. But uh, after that loss – It was like a a switch click, like everybody in the locker room. It was just like, and we actually was talking about it today. Like this year, we don't want that to happen. Like we want to like the switch to click without us having to lose a game. So, I mean, you know, just after that, everybody was laser focused. I'm talking about day in and day out. And I mean, you could just tell that everybody wanted to win.
2: Ryan, I think the first time we had you on, it was probably during the middle of last season. I asked you about some of your goals, and you said, you know, of course, you said three straight state championships. You got one, and, you know, the season you had, it was, it, I mean, it was it, some of the most remarkable stuff I've ever seen, man. But, you know, how do you keep mentally focused going into year two and three? Of course, you know, you're committed to Alabama moving forward. Now, you know, now you're on the map, number one wide receiver in the country. How do you keep focused every day and keep trying to get better?
5: Uh, I definitely know I'm not the best I could be. I mean, there's guys, I, I, of course, when I seen Justin Jefferson and uh, at IMG, just seeing him, like the way he attacks, uh, like different drills, it definitely opens up your eyes because I know I'm not the best I could be. And, yeah, just seeing that, you know, it just it, it lets me know I got some room to go.
1: As a sophomore winning the state championship, knowing that you have a lot of your brothers to the left and to the right of you, that have two more years to go just like you do. Does does that make it even more fun for you knowing that you have, all right, well, you can go ahead and double team me. Mm-hmm. Now I, I'm adding people like Myron Dunklin that, that I can have in the slot to where now you have to respect him. You have to respect Sante running the football behind you. And, and the fun part about having a quarterback, who can get you the ball in so many different ways, knowing that, hey, look, even though he may be committed to Texas, mm-hmm. that I'm still loving the fact that it's a Texas to Alabama connection Texas at this Dama.
5: point in time every time we score. yeah, it, It's definitely really fun. I mean, most of us grew up together or like was a, around each other growing up. So, I mean, like just the chemistry, we have, I, I would say, A-plus chemistry. And I mean, we we continue to stay around each other, you know, all, even off the field. Like, uh, we went out to eat together earlier. I mean, like, we just make sure, you know, when it's game time, it's like we basically could read each other's mind.
1: Morgan Davis and Ryan Williams, one is a graduate now uh an alumnus of sarah Land high school one will be soon to be here in a couple of years class of 2025 morgan this past weekend you had an opportunity to go out to oregon to run and compete against some of the best athletes in the country tell us about that experience what that was like what who you were participating with and I think you met maybe a a future Olympian or two that you can say, look, these are my role models as well, that it was pretty cool for yourself.
4: Yeah, it was definitely an amazing experience. I mean, getting to compete against all those college athletes, definitely opened my eyes and let me know, like, getting into off-season training this year, I have so much more room to grow and so much more that I can achieve.
1: Ryan said he has to catch up with you as far as from a state championship standpoint is concerned. But it, when you look back at, at, at your time at Sarah having been removed there now, walking across that stage a little over a month ago, what, what do you think it is that you're going to miss the most about Sarah High School?
4: Um, Definitely the community and the staff and the students at the school.
1: Going to Kentucky to be a track and field superstar, we always mention what the goal is for those that play WNBA or NBA or NFL on that major league level. For you, is it becoming that ultimate Olympian and having an opportunity to pursue a gold or silver or bronze medal, whether it's the 100, 200, high jump, just participating at the Olympic level.
4: Yes, definitely. That's the major goal. I'm just telling myself, take it one day at a time and set like smaller goals, like become an NCAA champion, SEC champion, get the school records, but ultimately, Olympian is the biggest goal.
1: Now, when you guys are participating at Sarah Land High School, I know that second to none as far as facilities mm-hmm. is concerned. I, I think that you have a brand new track and field stadium there at Sarah land. You guys have indoor facility with the jumbotron and just second to none. When it comes to competing, you see the Thompson's of the world. You see the Hoover's of the world. You you've traveled all across the country and had a chance to see it. What is it to you
5: that makes Sarah land special? Uh, Definitely. Like uh, Morgan said, the community like hands down, one of the best communities like, uh, I wouldn't want to leave it for anything. If I'm being honest, like, uh, just like the staff and the community, they they're behind you in anything you do. And I mean, once you're in it, you're in it, and they they support you to the fullest. And I mean, you can't ask for nothing better.
1: Now, you you, you recently had one of the quotes that that went viral as far as you being a verbal commit to, to Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide, and you're like, "Look, Coach Saban's gonna coach till he croaks." Yeah. Talk a little bit about (laughs) the excitement about that. And, and, you know, to me, that's an all-time greatest comment because Coach Saban is is one that that's really all he does know. But there's another side to Coach Saban. I know Sterling Dixon Jr. goes on his official visit. And, of course, we see – Nick Saban's daughter post him in virtual reality yeah. to see coach that side of Saban doing a little VR to see him doing some line dancing to the Cupid shuffle or the bus stop or whatever you have you. Is that a side of Saban that you really love to see that a lot of other people don't get a chance to see?
5: Uh, Definitely. I mean, most people think you just like a, a meanie, I guess you could say, like, you know, one faced, but uh, he definitely, he, he, he got some chill in him. He 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 know how to uh, keep it calm, chill. And, I mean, most people don't get to see that. But, I mean, we get to see that.
1: Well, I know that, that that's part of what you have to love about Coach Saban. But what was it about the University of Alabama? I know it was kind of an early process. I covered you in the Theodore-Saraland game, and you had the Alabama towel on. And that's prior to you really even saying, look, verbally, I, I know that Alabama's where I want to be what was it about the crimson tide was it the tradition was it the fact that you look around and and ultimately they're putting guys winning Heisman trophies at your position why why Alabama
5: I mean everything you just said plus I mean it feels like Maryland feels like home I mean I feel like I'm still at the same place I mean it, it doesn't feel like a change uh I fit schematically. I mean, I fit in all ways there. They they produce Heisman Trophy win- winners at my position. Of course, they produce receivers. I mean, you can look at that for yourself. And then uh, Blitnikovs, the I mean, <laughs> what else can you ask for?
2: Ryan, we had your quarterback KJ Lacey on a few weeks a few weeks back, and uh you had a quote. I think it was on so on three show. I can't remember exactly what it was. They asked you how many stars wide receiver would KJ Lacey be. You dissed him a little bit. I, I gave him a chance to refute it. He didn't refute it he much. Did. I mean, do we want to revise that quote at all? Or, or are we still saying like maybe a one or two star wide receiver for KJ Lacey? Absolutely not. <laughs> not ranked, unranked. Unranked wide receiver <laughs> for KJ Lacey. On a serious note, there, in the the area of recruitment, of course, KJ recently commits to Texas. Like, how does that work now? You know, KJ trying to get you to go to Texas. You're trying to get KJ to go to Alabama. You know, the, they say the players are the best recruiters.
5: You're right. We, we are the best recruiters. I mean, we go at it every day. Every day on the game at practice. I mean, when we go out to eat, it's always horns up, horns down. That's all you hear. So I mean, we we go at it all the time.
1: Now, defensively, you guys are pretty salty too. Defensively, I know that it's a lot of fun for you to do what you what you do best. Whether it's return punts, return kickoffs, whether it's catching, is there a particular route that you love to run? Is it the go route to show your blazing speed? Is it the slant to where you can accelerate after you catch the football? Is it the screen, the bubble? What what is it that you love, KJ? This this is this is what I wanna I I want you to throw me.
5: Honestly, I mean, we we connect on so many routes. It's really hard to choose one, if I'm being honest. I, I totally understand, and I, I can believe I, I that. I'm telling you. Uh, probably, probably a go-bar or a post. I mean, that's the easiest. Like, we could probably do that with our eyes closed, right. if I'm being honest.
1: As far as when you look at what you were able to uh, accomplish against Hillcrest a year ago, I know that it takes the correct coverage, the correct throw, you guys go up on the road to Hillcrest, Tuscaloosa, and you just put up sick numbers, five or six touchdown receptions. It's, it's one of those historic high school performances to where you had the visiting coaches and the visiting announcers saying, man, I don't know where this young man's going to go, but he is the best high school football wide receiver I've ever seen have you studied people like julio jones and what he was able to do at foley have you heard from julio jones at all because i had an opportunity to watch him be a multi-sport athlete at foley whether it was football whether it was basketball whether it was track and field julio just really did it all is that one of your role models or do you have a guy that you really want to pattern your game after uh, Julio is
5: definitely one of the ones that uh I study and have been studying since I was little. But uh, I haven't uh, personally talked to him yet. But uh, I'm sure that will happen soon. And uh, as far as guys that I study, I mean, I get a lot of Justin Jeffersons, uh, Devonte Smiths. I get all those comparisons because you know my frame and I'm built. And so yeah, I, I usually study those guys and other greats like uh, Devonte Adams. I mean, just uh, real route technicians in the NFL.
1: Now, track and field is something that Morgan definitely excels at. To me, she is the greatest female track and field athlete that I've seen come through the state of Alabama, period. And I think her accomplishments speak for themselves in 13 state championships. But what is it about track and field that helps you in football or about football that helps you with track and field, vice versa?
5: Uh, definitely in track and field, you know you by yourself. So, I mean, it, it's real. It's really like just focusing on yourself because, you know, football is a team sport, and I love it. But uh, sometimes you need that, that one-on-one time with yourself to really build character because, I mean, if you lose a race, it wasn't because your teammate made you lose the race. You lost the race. So, I mean, that definitely uh, – it builds character, and as far as football, I mean, track translates to football, and most people know that, but uh, especially for my position, because you know, once I get the ball, that's, that's usually where way I exhale.
1: It's gone, it's gone, and Morgan, when you're at the starting blocks, and you're waiting for that gun to go off to get you started, the mental focus that you have to have not to have that false start, to go ahead and get out of the bo- blocks quickly, if you do get up or get out of the box slow, does it translate to where you know that your speed, if you don't have the type of start that you want, that you're going to be able to have the type of finish that you want?
4: I definitely think if you get out the block slow, that makes the second half of your race way better. But also at the same time, it kind of like, oh, this is going to be a hard race. So it just depends on the person's mindset for real.
2: Ryan, I want to step in the time machine for a second let's talk about that homewood playoff game i I had to ask kj about it too but it really was the best football game i've ever seen in person i mean fourth and fifth i mean it is before homewood came back and, and scored two touchdowns late in the game but the fourth and 15 play or whatever whatever yardage it was it was fourth and long coach kelly decides to go for it and it's just like man i mean kj rolls around And finds Ryan Williams deep in the. I mean, break that down for me a little bit.
5: Um, definitely. Okay, so we were on the sideline, and uh, I mean, I got uh, we. It was me, C D, and K J. We came. Coach Coach Kelly gives us the play, and we're like, okay. He gave us the play, but we finna do. We finna do some alters to this play, okay? Oh yeah. (laughs) So so uh so I'm like K J. It's not gonna be open as soon as you drop back. So you're gonna have to roll. And then uh, CD, he takes out the front side safety. So I'm one-on-one. All I have to do is beat the linebacker in the safety. And, I mean, I'm like, there's nothing stopping me. So, <laughs> like, he's not going to stop me. So I'm running the route. I beat the linebacker. And the safety, I mean, of course, it's fourth and 16. So he, know, he knows where the ball is going. I'm going to the end zone. And he tries to hug me. There's no angle that you can see this. It makes me so mad because y'all got to see it. But there's no angle you can see it. I, w- I
2: had a video of it, yeah, it was on KJ, the only part, I get you catching the ball, in and so you're telling me that play was, like, completely stick in the in the dirt, completely drawn up and improvised?
5: Uh, for the most part, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Coach Kelly, he definitely, like, it's his play, but, I mean, we definitely made some alters to it, as like, as we went, and then, uh... I see the ball in the air and he's still holding me. I'm like, I'm, I am like i i can not let you, I can't let you stop me, right? I don't even want the PI. I want a touchdown.
2: Oh yeah. And then so, what are you thinking when uh, Woods Ray, I think his name was, yeah. you know, he chucks up the hail mary at the end of the game and then they catch him man. and then that game goes. To, I mean, y'all were up 30 or whatever it was yeah. in that game and I mean, it, it was really one of the more incredible quarterback performances I've ever seen from Ray. I mean, he he was phenomenal. He kept him in it all day. Credit to him. I think he's going to Dartmouth. Uh, but man, what were you thinking when that game's headed to overtime.
5: Man, I'm going to be honest. He had an amazing game. Like I I got to give it to him. Like I I wasn't really expecting that if I'm being honest and uh whenever whenever the clock hit 0 and he had it in the end zone. I, I <sighs> <laughs> I was like, I'm a little nervous. It wasn't even supposed to go like this. We were like 42, what, 35, 14, 42, It was like
2: 42 to 14 at halftime, Man, I think.
5: Yeah, it was crazy. So once it hit zero and I look at the, the scoreboard and it's a tie game going into overtime, I didn't know what to think. But by the time I made it to the sideline, I'm like, okay, we got to score in the game, get the game over. It,
1: it, it's so much fun to, to watch Morgan Davis and Ryan Williams two of Mobile's finest, one going to Kentucky to run track and field, one getting ready to try to defend the state championship that they won at Sarah Land High School. Of course, Ryan Hollywood Williams being a verbal commit to the University of Alabama. And Morgan Davis made that decision to, to go to Kentucky and run track and field. Now, Morgan, I know that you've had an opportunity to, to visit Kentucky since you've graduated and left from Sarah Land, you know that talking with your coach, do you know what events you will be participating in at Kentucky next year?
4: Um, yes, I will be doing a long jump, high jump, and actually running the 400 and 200.
1: So four events that you'll have an opportunity to, to step in as an SEC performer. Now, y- your your role model. We, we asked Hollywood who he kind of looks up to from a from a track and field standpoint. Of course, you know, Flo Joe is always going to be an all time great track and field champion. Jackie Joyner Cursey is always mentioned from my generation growing up. Is there track and field role models that you do have and that you aspire and learn from?
4: Definitely my favorite is Sydney McLaughlin. I just love the way she carries herself and just everything about her. She's probably my biggest influence for track and film.
1: Now, one of the great things, too, is, you know, Hollywood will, will will run into this here in a couple of years. As far as and look, you know, name, image and likeness is something that a lot of people have talked about being able to to capitalize on in college. I know that you have to be excited for that next step and knowing that you're going to a prestigious program like Kentucky, but your grade point average is as impressive as your 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 sprinting time. I know that that's something that you and your family really hang your hat on. Talk a little bit about what you want to major in and and what your GPA was at Saraland High School.
4: Yeah, my GPA was a 3.9, and I'm looking to major in kinesiology, so it's like sports management, sports exercise. I'm not sure which route I'm going down yet. I'm still deciding. But, yeah, my mom's a teacher, so uh, education definitely comes first over any sports.
1: And I love that about your family, Morgan. And, you know, I want you to, as always, to, to have an opportunity. Morgan Davis, I nicknamed Beep Beep. Because growing up, I love the Road Runner. I, I love watching the cartoons of of the Road Runner, and and when you watch her run, that's just exactly what she says. And and you know, if, if she were as cocky as I probably be, I'd look back at you and, and, and let you know, beep, beep. And, and I don't know, Hollywood sometimes will give you that wink to let you know, look, man, you've been talking a lot of trash like over there trash. across the field. So the the one eighties of the personalities here in the room, we're talking with two Mobile's finest. But Morgan, to to be able to shout out your mom and your dad and just an opportunity to, to to give them shout outs by name.
4: Yeah, definitely my mom and my dad. Also, my stepdad and my stepmom and just like all of my coaches, they're all such a big help and I'm going to miss all of them.
1: And that's one of the great things, you know, the support system. Let everybody know y- your mom's name, your, your, your stepdad, your dad's name. Give,
4: give them a shout out. Okay. Shout out my label. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Shannon Taylor Nobles, Maurice Davis, Devin Novels, Kendra Davis, my brother Maurice Davis Jr. You want me to name my coaches? Come on with it, um, hey
5: everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Shout me out too.
4: Coach Aaron, Coach Dixon, Uh, Keith, Uh, Coach Dell. Who else? Coach Dearman. Yeah.
5: Damn See, it,
1: no yeah, I, I love, I love it. Now, 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 Ryan. I, I'll give you the same opportunity, brother. I, I want you to make sure you shout out everybody who makes a, a, a difference, and, and that list can be short, it can be long, it doesn't matter. Because you know, when you score those touchdowns, everybody says, you know, hi, mom, or wave to the camera, you know. But, but to actually be able to to shout out family members, some people write them on their shoes or or write them on their wristband, but to be able to actually shout them out, I know is, is an important part of your life.
5: Uh, definitely. Um, my parents, of course, so Ryan Williams, uh, Courtney Lloyd, uh, Tiffany Coleman, and then my grandparents, Michael Coleman, Catherine Williams, and my granddad that passed. I mean, he he sticks with me. So Robert Williams, uh, all my coaches, Coach Daniel Taylor, um, Coach Jeff Kelly, Coach uh, Brett Bowell, uh, and all my other coaches, you know. Like how I long? Think.
1: How long have you been playing football, Ryan?
5: Uh, since I was four.
1: Since you were four years old, and w- when you were playing at four years old, did you win any parks and recreation championships? Go ahead and tell us about about that.
5: Uh, really? Um, my dad came back from college when I was five, so my four year year I played like tight end or something. So and then five, uh, I played running back. But I, I I never won uh like a. a a championship, except Come on. except like uh, on a travel team, but like for the league, like a mobile league, never. Ever.
1: Never had an opportunity to to win a mobile league. So at Saraland, we'll, take, Land, a blue, we'll
2: take a blue map over a mobile <laughs> league. Hey, hey, no, no
1: question, definitely. I was going Land was your first opportunity to hoist that blue map and to to see Morgan winning those blue maps prior to you. I mean, did she let you know kind of how it would feel to win that blue map? No, nah, she
5: she let me experience it for myself. She 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 asked me if she wanted me to uh wanted me to let her spoil it, but I was like, nah.
1: Well, I, I tell you, I know it's gonna be hard when you get to Alabama to to root for the Big Blue, but once you do see her on that track and field, I know you're definitely gonna be rooting for her for sure to see her succeed next year as she's getting ready to go off and run track at Kentucky for certain
5: uh definitely it doesn't matter what i'm wearing i'm still gonna be a fan of morgan davis
1: absolutely and morgan i know when ryan gets to alabama the same thing when alabama kentucky plays you may be having yeah. the blue and white pom-poms but you'll be like look ryan that, that's my guy that's my dude has been solid from day one can't thank both of you guys enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on mobile's finest here on wnsp 105.5 and folks listen It doesn't get any better than having two state Gatorade players of the year. Not only. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Can't thank Morgan Davis and Ryan Hollywood Williams enough for taking time to join us for the Mobile's Finest segment. Of course, we really enjoy highlighting our student athletes, not only our student athletes, but our local Mobile Legends, because we have plenty of Mobile's Finest, and we hope that you in the listening audience enjoyed it as well. And like I say, Gatorade comes in a lot of flavors, but the flavor that both of these two student athletes from Saraland High School brought to the table. It's not every day you get an opportunity to to see the type of competitors they are. And and their off-air comments that we talked about were even better than some of the stuff that we talked about on the air because the competition is real, Michael Brown. I won't I won't give away who won the race or who <laughs> had the head start. I won't blow blow that type of smoke. For these two athletes, but the competition is real between Morgan and Ryan.
2: No doubt about it, man. That's uh, that's what breeds great athletes, man. Iron sharp as iron. Great competition.
1: It, it it really does, and I know that Bronner, you had an opportunity to again, mentioned that that wonderful and phenomenal comeback game that was experienced against Sarah Lamb, But you know, kudos to 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 Jeff Kelly and what he's been able to continue to build. It's Sarah land and you know, uh, high school media days is here in a couple of weeks. And I don't know what's easier to be the hunter or the hunted. And we'll find out real quick because Sarah lands coming off of the top rope with an opponent that's coming into town. And it's an opponent that's coming to town. That's a top 25 team in the country. And, you have to stay laser focused to be ready to play that type of opponent. But the recognition that you get because, again, I you're so used to seeing probably one or two prospects on a team, right? But when you have probably 11, 12, 13 guys that can be Division One players off of one roster, it, it almost reminds you of, kind of what the Georgia Bulldogs have been able to do in the NFL draft the last couple of years. It doesn't matter offensively or defensively. If you've got 22 guys and you have all 22 drafted at some point in time in different classifications, that means you had some real-deal talent. And I don't know, sometimes you just want to see how the talent is going to respond. But Jeff Kelly is always one who has his teams prepared to play. Yeah, it's certainly a different ball
2: game for the Spartans now, you know, they it's a program that hadn't won a state championship in in their their entire uh, brief history. So you know, now about everyone in the state's aware of uh, the talent they have, especially on that offense, but not just on the offense, on the defense as well. You know, you got like 15 Division One football players on that team. You got, they're talented enough that Lipscomb Academy is coming down all the way from Nashville, driving six hours to come play them. I mean, that's, uh, it just goes to show the level of respect that the program has garnered, not even just in this area, not even just in this state, but, you know, across the entire Southeast. So, yeah, Hunter versus Hunted, it definitely is a different game.
1: It really is, and for the to win the first state championship in Saraland school history in football, and to say that you know when you look at the team, you knew that Saraland was a young team, and if you were going to beat Sarah Land the way that Theodore was able to do in that first game, that's what that's what made you know that to me Theodore and Saraland were the two best six A teams in the state of Alabama last year, and you hate that. They couldn't have played one another for the state championship game. But mm-hmm. you knew that that state semifinal game, to me, was probably going to be more than the state championship game. And and Ryan just came right on out. And, you know, I didn't even – I didn't ask him about the crane kick. But I thought oh, that – forgot that one. No, nah, I trust me. I didn't forget about the crane kick because it, it just goes – it went to show that, hey, look, I have arrived on the big stage. And I'm letting you know that it's going to be that type of day. And Mountain Brook just didn't have that type of speed that could deal with it. And, and if you thought Sarah Land was fast a year ago, you, you have another whole year for them to get bigger and faster and stronger. And I, I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing the competition level of a team come from Tennessee down here to Mobile, Alabama to where we know per capita we have more superstars that make the NFL than anywhere in the country, and and to get them a little taste. And I expect the city of Saraland to show up and show out in record numbers and for it to be uh, a type of environment that you have to love the Friday night lights here along the Gulf Coast for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get better than that, does it?
1: No, it it absolutely does not, and – you know Morgan is a, is a young lady to me, a future Olympian is is what she aspires to be. And you look at her results: thirteen state championships, thirteen. Michael Bronner. I, I mean, even if Ryan were to sit there and say, you know, okay, I got another one in football, and I compete in everything, every event that there is, my junior and senior year he still wouldn't have enough state championships to equal the amount that his peer has. And for her to be the first ever state champion in the history of Sarah Land and to leave a state champion, one of the most decorated track and field athletes, male or female, that you'll find in the history of the state of Alabama. And that's why, again, you wanted to have two of Mobile's finest joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. 13 state championships, man. No, nah, I mean, it, it is unbelievable the amount of talent that we saw participate. And, and, Mike, to come from one school, because it goes back to last week when you have Josh Flowers and Bryce Kane in with us to see a quarterback and wide receiver, both from the same school, it doesn't happen that often and of course one going to Mississippi State and one going to Auburn here's one going to Kentucky and the other one committing to Alabama just you you don't and what's scary though Hollywood
2: only going to be a a, a junior? <laughs> yeah, the guy's got 2 years left in yeah. high school. Yeah, good, it's, it's uh, going to be good luck everyone else.
1: It, it's going to be a lot of fun sitting here watching and getting ready here a month from now and There's been a lot of talk about the fact that you do have these new stadiums that the MCPSS has provided, and one of the greatest rivalries in high school football is between Blunt and Viger, and because of that game, it's going to be played at Ladd Stadium. And a lot of people are upset with the fact that the Blunt-Viger game Is going to be played at Ladd Stadium.
2: No, because it was supposed to be held at the new Viger Stadium. Ed Viger. And did they just determine it's ultimately too small to hold that game?
1: There's no question in my mind. Yeah. That that you don't have. It's all about go ahead and looking. Yes, I do know you want to have true home field. Like, as
2: beautiful as the new stadium is, and I've seen it, I mean, and you have too, it it is pretty, but I mean, I I was at the Blunt Viger game at Blunt last year. It was packed to the brim. Uh, it's just like you—you you can't have a situation where you can't fit enough people. You just can't have it. So well, well
1: not only that, Bronner, from a monetary standpoint. Yeah, that. Yeah. Do do the math on this. If that's Blunt's home game last year, mm-hmm. and that's Blunt's gate. Yeah. At at ten dollars a head. Okay. Ten dollars yeah. a body to walk. There, there, at le- there were at least five
2: thousand people there. At, at least.
1: More than that, I guarantee there were more than that. So. Probably eight. It, you, you're looking at being able to fund an entire athletic program off of one game. So the Blunt-Viger game being held at LAD, I'm all for. Yeah. And I think for this year especially, moving forward, they may go ahead and decide that that Blunt-Viger game will be held at blunt or at viger and or they may decide to move it to lad stadium permanently because the school system is on the verge of, of, of buying lad anyway
2: it wouldn't be a bad idea i mean i you can fit a lot of people in blunt but i'm telling you i sat in traffic for two and a half hours getting out of there it was it was a tough situation so
1: that robbery again you look at the number of nfl stars that have played in that game and the historic Hall of Fame coaches who have played in that game. It just means more, and it, you want to see as many people as possible be able to attend that game, physically be able to be there. And moving forward, I think Viger logistically in the future may be able to handle that. But in year number one, I think the best thing to do is to move that game exactly to where it's going to be played, which is at Ladd Peebles Stadium. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you on this Hump Day Wednesday edition. We thank everyone for tuning in.
3: War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, you know, we we were talking to Morgan Davis and Ryan Williams and the Sarah Land schedule. We just mentioned as far as how tough it's going to be to to try to repeat as state champion. And what, what helps with that is anytime you're able to get any type of transfers and, you know, Coach Kelly was able to get a transfer in from Mississippi Gaucher as a matter of fact and that being from Dylan Alfred and I think that anytime you have just the opportunity to to totally dominate and, and to be undefeated. Ryan mentioned it. He didn't want to have that, that blip or that little glitch in the record to where Theodore I saw, in what I saw, Theodore was the better team on that night, without question. They absolutely dominated at the line of scrimmage and, and shut down the running game for Sarah Land. And I think that Coach Kelly made the adjustments that needed to be made in, in game number two in the semifinal game. Of course, injuries always play a factor into any game that you play, but it always has to be the next man up syndrome. But, you know, Coach Kelly able to bring in and get another transfer in Dylan Alford from Gaucher, Mississippi. It's just going to make Sarah Land that much more dangerous from an offensive standpoint, Michael. And that's what it's all about, man. You want to see the best of the best play, and if you can have the best, be the best.
2: Good luck to everyone else. Like I said, man, I mean, two more years of KJ and Ryan. You bring in uh – Another another weapon in uh, the blunt wide receiver as well. I mean, they're uh, they're going to be tough to stop.
1: Yeah, I, I as far as being hard to stop, it, it's offensively. You know, you you try to outscore people, but defensively, I think that's where the biggest improvement for Saraland is going to come in next year, is from a defensive standpoint because. They they didn't dominate people the way they wanted to because you mentioned the huge lead that they had that they saw evaporate. They don't want that to happen again to them, and, and that just left a bad taste in their mouth. But excited to see high school football. Of course, we're in Nashville, Tennessee next week for SEC Media Days. High School Media Days is probably right around the corner two weeks or a week and a half after sec media Days. so we're gearing up for football it's here folks so i know we wait and wait and wait and now that it's arrived we're absolutely ready our number three of the final drive we're ready for it as well we'll catch back up with you after the break Welcome to our number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner joining you on this hump day Wednesday afternoon. And, of course, if you missed our Mobile's Finest interview with Morgan Davis and Ryan Hollywood Williams, we will have that downloaded as soon as the show is over, part of the WNSP selects across all our platforms and of course if you have not downloaded the sound of mobile app make sure you do so because it's a great way for you to be able to correspond with us not only on the opening kickoff but here on the final drive as well each and every day you just it's a free download on any android or apple device that you may have the sound of mobile app and of course it'll give you four choices and you want to choose that wnsp app to download when you're making those choices well as a matter of fact uh you know i'm our, i'm just that good you can
2: already find ryan williams and morgan davis under wnsp selects under wnsp now just search wnsp now wherever you get your podcasts as always and you can find all of our on-air content
1: So if you missed any of that interview, it's already downloaded, Brawner, about his business today, getting it done really quickly for us. And, again, make sure you download that free Sound of Mobile app. And you can give us a call, 251-694-1055. Of course, in the first couple of hours, we had an opportunity to recap the Major League Baseball All-Star game. And I, I personally, I've said it in the first hour, I don't like... The new uniforms, I'm a traditionalist in regards to the all-star game. Represent your team. Represent your city, not American League or National League. Let us know what team you're playing for because if there are six or seven Atlanta Braves out there, if there are five Texas Rangers out there, you want to be able to visibly see that and to know that. Yeah, and there was I, an
2: all-Braves infield at one point last night. would have been pretty cool if they were wearing, I don't know, rave jerseys,
1: exactly so so that makes it kind of interesting from the fact that they're, they're not going with that they're going with different color schemes and i, I know that they want to sell jerseys and merchandise but i, I love the old school uniform looks and you end a, a nine game losing streak the national league did defeating the american league three to two. Eighth inning not necessarily drama but You have someone from the Colorado Rockies that a lot of people, who's following the Colorado Rockies? Who's knowing what the Colorado Rockies are doing right now? You just don't see that. But to go to traditional baseball or all-star uniforms, same thing with the NBA, represent your city. And I love the fact that that's what you used to see. Interleague play, okay, okay. It came back, you said it in 1997. Interleague play is something that I think it's great for the fan, but it takes away and it devalues the All-Star game. When there was no Interleague play except for the All-Star game and the World Series, that's all you saw? That's what you wanted to see because it, it gives you a hunger to want to go back and see that some more. So I, I just... The regular uniforms are definitely the way to go to represent whatever city or franchise that you're from, front and back of the jersey. Now, representing the Alabama jersey or on the sidelines for the Crimson Tide, not sure whether knew there was going to be, be, be some sort of transition the there.
2: Huh? Yeah. <laughs> N- knew there was going to be some kind of transition
1: <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have that. But Northwestern, of course, with their football vacancy. It's going to be talked about all season long, especially if Alabama has success. We briefly mentioned it yesterday. If Alabama has success from an offensive standpoint, no matter who their quarterback is, if they make it to the SEC championship or to the college football playoffs, who's the first person do you think is going to get a phone call about becoming the head coach at Northwestern? Tommy Reese. absolutely he's going to get the phone call. And I know that it's going to be a question that Nick Saban's going to hate to get next week because not even coaching in one regular season game as of yet already been labeled as the front favorite for the Northwestern job.
2: He coached one spring game where the quarterbacks didn't look good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but he he had four quarterbacks to choose from then instead of five. And now – you're dealing with a five man rotation at Alabama at quarterback. But as far as saying that you're going to take someone now, if to me, from Notre Dame being their offensive coordinator to becoming the head coach at Northwestern, that's that's an easier transition. But here within the last 10 years, how many offensive coordinators has Nick Saban gone through? Five, yeah, I believe. I, I, I mean, it's a handful. Yeah, it, it, it's not one or two, but the, that means that there's success. But Tommy Rees, h- how many, how many Giffen. games has O'Brien. he helped Alabama win? How many great calls has he made as a coordinator for the Crimson Tide? So show me first that you are deserving. Of a head coaching job at Northwestern. Now, if Locksley, Northwestern's willing to go ahead and ordain him and say, "Look, this is going to be our guy," and without going outside the box, and they're already zeroed in. I think it's just easy rhetoric to go ahead and put him in the position of saying that he's a front runner. Yeah, you but know,
2: it's July. <laughs> it,
1: it, the, what, what did
2: Brooks July. Austin say earlier? You know, we need we need things to talk about. So,
1: but it it, it does make sense to go from Notre Dame to Northwestern. Of course it does.
2: Well, he started there as well. I mean, not he played quarterback at Notre Dame, but he uh, was a graduate assistant at Notre Dame. So or, at, at Northwestern rather when his uh, coaching career, when his playing career
1: ended. Ooh. There are roots that he already has, and not necessarily to the southern part of the state, but I mean, Major Applewhite, Mike Loxley, Dable, you you, you see Steve Sarkeesian. And Kiffin, uh, O'Brien. So, it's more than a handful that you start I believe in the
2: last 10 years, uh, Reese would be the sixth, if my math is correct.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. It does mean that Alabama has had success and that Coach Saban is doing something right. And you always want to have an opportunity. If you want – I know plenty of assistant coaches who – that's all they desire to be, is assistant coaches. But – as long as young as Coach Rees is, guess guess what? You, you I guarantee he wants to be a head coach, oh, yeah. especially of a power five. And if Alabama has success offensively, then that's what you will see him make that move to Northwestern. But you want to see production first. Because what happens now, yeah, it does make for great topics and great banter, but if Alabama struggles offensively, and has a great defense instead of a great offense, then what do you do? Well, ideally they have (laughs) 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 both.
2: Ideally they have both. of course ideally you have both.
1: Of of course you would.
2: Maybe Northwestern fix this broken culture over there. There's one man that can do it. Urban Meyer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I saw that on Twitter. I didn't come up with that one myself, admittedly. But bring in Urban Meyer. It's the right thing to do for Northwestern.
1: (laughs) Northwestern... Going and and being a part of the Urban Meyer era, it probably would sell tickets.
2: You don't you don't think uh, you don't think that would happen. You don't think Northwestern is going to Co- Coach Meyer? No,
1: no. I I think <laughs> Coach Meyer ha- has found his niche.
2: Well, speaking it, of ridiculous things, uh, did you happen to see this uh, Burger King Thailand situation? What they got going on over there?
1: internationally going to Thailand and knowing that there's a Burger King over there that 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 in and of itself fascinates me
2: Burger King Thailand is introducing what they're calling quote- unquote the real cheeseburger uh, it is a burger and Burger is a term used loosely here, but it's really just two buns with 20 slices of American cheese and no meat. They're calling it the real cheeseburger. I'll send that link in the app because you're going to want to take a look at this thing.
1: It looks uh, cheesy. I will, I will say this. I love grilled cheese, right? I, I, there's nothing wrong with some grilled cheese, and that's really the only way you can get me to eat tomato soup. Hmm. Is yeah, I
2: don't with, know with anyone who eats cheese. tomato soup, but, like, without a grilled cheese.
1: If you look at what constitutes a hamburger? The burger. <laughs> the meat. <laughs> Does it matter if it's on sourdough bread? No. Is it still a hamburger if it's on sourdough bread?
2: Uh, like, it's still, like, a meat patty and it's on bread? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's still a burger.
1: Do you have to have sesame seeds on the bun in order for it to be considered a hamburger? I think
2: I think the it's the question of if it's a hamburger or not is way more whether there's a patty of meat rather than the 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 uh,
1: you know vessel that it's served on. And, and what do they what are they call this? They're calling this the cheeseburger. The real
2: cheese. The real cheeseburger. I just sent the link in the app to the
1: tweet if you With want to uh, no, take a look. Absolutely at Absolutely no meat whatsoever. I, it's
2: uh, let's it, it, it's two buns and I'm I'm saying about three three to four just inches thick of twenty slices of that fake American cheese. The real no. cheeseburger. You I, trying I,
1: that? No. Absolutely, I'm not trying that. I'll, I'll go again. I'll stay with my craft singles. That's what cheese. they are.
2: I mean, it's just 20 slices of them.
1: No, I, I, I couldn't. I cannot see taking a bite out of that. You, would you try it? Are You paying me? No, I, it's a cheeseburger. It's the real cheeseburger. <laughs> like would I
2: take a trip to Thailand to try it? Probably yeah. not. But if you put it in front of me, I maybe take a bite, just like for the for the content of it. Maybe we'd get a funny video for Twitter.
1: All right, I I will say this for content. There's no way I would even try it. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I again get me eating a grilled cheese sandwich. I'm all for that, but I'm not. I'm not making that transition over to to having a hamburger, uh, with with no meat. The real cheeseburger. The real cheeseburger. I will I will pass on that one. And you know what people are not gonna pass on next year in the NBA is mm. the fact that there are two rule changes next season that are not going to make a, a lot of LeBron James fans happy.
2: See, I thought you were about to bring up how Brandon Miller cooked last night.
1: Well, you know, look, Brandon Miller is one of those that, look, get, go get yours, right, because you're playing in the summer league. You're, you're They're not shutting them down. They're letting them play. They're letting him get his games in. But the the cooking of the technical fouls for flopping, now there's going to be a technical foul assessed to where you will go shoot free throws and the other team, you'll get your you'll get the ball back. But how much flopping do you think will take place now that you're a you're being penalized by being able to shoot free throws?
2: So I get were they testing this rule out in summer league because Jaden Shackelford, another former Alabama player, was assessed the first ever technical for flopping. And you know it was funny. It really wasn't even a flop. He kind of, It was a little bit of a delayed reaction, but Shackleford got elbowed in the face and, you know, fell back, albeit like a second later. He fell back and then got a technical for flopping. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't—obviously, no one likes flopping, and you want to get rid of it in any way you can. But, uh, you know, it, it it kind of opens a little bit of a dangerous can of worms, you know, if, if these refs are— whistle-happy and, and, and want to call that foul, it's like, oh, boy, I, I didn't think the Shackelford one was necessarily a flop. So, you know, you might have some controversy with that role.
1: Do, do you know who is one of the greatest NBA floppers of all time? Not LeBron? Not LeBron. Not LeBron. Who? Vlade Divac. <laughs> Vlade Divac was an ultimate flopper. He he, he 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 flopped more than anybody that you knew. You would think he was a fish he used to a flop fish. so much and a and current player chris paul is a pretty good flopper as well so you'll, you'll start to see them being penalized with technical fouls and again coaches will get the second challenge if the first is successful so you have the red flags in football you'll have the coaches challenge that was implemented this year in the nba you'll see it again Now the coaches get a second challenge, only if the first one is successful. But the user in the app says Dennis Robin is the best flopper. And Tony Parker also getting poked in the eye, faking like he got poked in the eye. So there's some pretty good floppers in the history of the NBA. But to me, Vlade Divac, one of the all-time greatest. The final drive, we'll put the finishing touches on it before we get started and ready for the batter's box coming up here on WNSP 105.5 at
3: 530. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the final drive. Again, making way for the batter's box. Joey Warner Gives you the best coverage of all baseball that you can handle. Again, we'll, he'll hit the Grand Slam. We'll have plenty to talk about from a Major League Baseball All-Star standpoint. And, you know, I, I love the fact that Joey, he's like a baseball historian. He, he, anytime you can write a book and it be as thick as an old school encyclopedia, you know that there's plenty of knowledge and plenty of stories, so you definitely don't want to miss Joey Warner coming up next here on the Final Drive. But again, Bronner, I, I, I will get you to ask Joey this probably during his show, and I'll ask him out in the hallway too. The the All Star Game. Uniforms. I'm I'm not a fan.
2: Yeah, I'll get his thoughts for sure.
1: And not a fan of it. I'm all.
2: feeling Joey's gonna feel the same way as and, well.
1: And I'm a, I'm a traditional guy. And outside of being traditional, we know that, you know, it's traditional for the NFL to go ahead and pick a hard knocks team. Well, the Jets are that team, and they haven't been on there since 2010. But Aaron Rodgers. You know, is this the best team to cover is outside of the Bears, Jets, Saints, and Commanders? Is this the team that you really want to see about? I wanted to see the Saints myself.
2: Ooh, well, you know, with Derek Carr. I, yeah, I to get it. I, I, I've seen Derek there. Carr on Hard Knocks. I just don't. I just. I don't know. I like. And I understand people down here like would it like to see the Saints. I just they don't move the needle for me nearly as much as the Jets do. I've seen Derek Carr on Hard Knocks. Derek Carr's kind of lame he's boring I, I would much rather see
1: you don't Aaron. want to see james winston uh well that, now now that's now that's
2: another story james Winston's probably the funniest man in the nfl but you know i i will do with the narrative of of the jets i just think it's a more fascinating storyline
1: well you're gonna get it and the jets are gonna be showing up and of course the SPs tonight if, if that's what you love to see i just love to see and watch jimmy valvano's speech again one of the best speeches you'll ever hear and as they pay tribute to of course dick vitel going through a little vocal cord surgery hope the cancer has not returned to dick vitel but gonna make room gonna sweep off home plate make way for the batter's box want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon of course brooks austin Joined us this afternoon along with Mobile's finest, Morgan Davis and Ryan Williams, Gatorade Players of the Year from Saraland High School. Michael Bronner has that up on all our podcast facilities. If you have not downloaded the Sound of Mobile app, make sure you do so. We'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs>
3: Hey, this is Jake Coker, quarterback at Alabama. And when I'm listening to the radio, I'm listening to WNSB.